6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck continues his teaching on the book of Proverbs, chapters 25 through 29. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. A righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. You and I, probably, unless you're a camper or a, a, a hunter or whatever, can't appreciate the frustration of encountering a corrupt spring. You need water, you come to a, finally come to a spring, you find out it's foul for whatever reason. Um, that's more than just a disappointment. It's a major setback. And the idiom that's being used here is used as a simile or a metaphor for a righteous man falling down before a wicked. When a person is righteous and doesn't stand his ground, when a person who is in the right yields to wickedness when he shouldn't is the implication, is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt spring. That's the reason, that's, that's the role, that's the goal of a righteous person is to stand for truth, stand for what's right. The only thing required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. The corruption of not speaking up when we should. It's not good to eat much honey, for, so for men to search their own glory is not glory. It's not good to eat much honey. So for men to search for their own glory is not glory. For men to establish their own glory is in a sense an oxymoron. That's something that should accrue from deeds and be a response of the community to what they have achieved, not, the, not something they set out for themselves. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. What happens to a city without walls? It gets easily overrun, right? So is he that has no rule over his own spirit. Well, let's go on to the next chapter. As snow in the summer and as rain in the harvest, so honor is not seemly for a fool. In other words, in a sense, it's inappropriate. This, is, this, I think, is as close as you come in the Old Testament to what we call the term oxymoron, right? Self-contradictory phrase. As the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. Predictions that uh, of things, certain things that will come to pass don't always happen is one way to, to uh, express this. A whip for the horse a bridle for the ass, and a rod for the fool's back. I think the difference is that the horse and the ass can be trained. 
The fool, the fool apparently not. Now, the next two appear to be a contradiction. There are critics and skeptics that like to point to verses 4 and 5 as the Bible doesn't have contradictions. They'll point to this. No, what's really happening is here we're confronted with two lines of conduct. And sometimes the one is appropriate and sometimes the other is. And it's our challenge to understand which one to apply. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. And there are times when you're confronted by a fool that you really don't even want to bother responding to that for being drawn into being, they don't even deserve the response, if you follow me. There are those, there are those occasions. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. In other words, there is an opportunity, hopefully, to make a matter of record that he, you know, that uh, uh, he's wrong or he's whatever. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So you've got a choice. And uh, this isn't a guidance as to which one to use. It means you've got a choice one way or the other. The times to let it go and there's times that you, you need to offer some correction. And that's a judgment call. That's basically what's embedded here as, 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 as I see it. He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. When you send a message to someone, to someone else, you want to make sure the person is up to it and you're not, using, you're not going to be the victim of, of someone messing this up. The legs of the lame are not equal, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. Again, that's again, uh, uh, perhaps a Solomonic way of, of, uh, of implying an oxymoronic situation. A parable in the mouth of fools is sort of a self-contradiction. The legs of the lame are not equal, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. That's pretty lame, isn't it? So, as he that bindeth a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. I think the idea of a sling is you don't bind the stone in the sling. You put it in the sling to, so that it will release the stone at the right time. Binding, binding a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. What it's trying to get across in any case is that both honor and fool are um, somehow mutually uh, exclusive. As a thorn goeth up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. A thorn or a branch with thorns in the hand of a drunkard, this wild man, is going to cause damage. So does a parable in the mouth of fools. The great God that formed all things both rewardeth the fool and rewardeth transgressors. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. That's in the interim. Hmm? And then we get to verse 11, probably one of the most disgusting verses in the Scripture. If you've ever watched this happen, uh, it really is disturbing. As a, as a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. If you've ever seen a dog that is thrown up on the lawn turn right around and lap it all up. It's disgusting. I mean, it just, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if that behavior has been programmed in that dog to make this point. <laughs> there are actually, I've seen books, very elaborate books pulled together um, that tries to highlight the lessons, the biblical lessons from each animal. 
It's wonderful for kids, but some of them are quite direct. Some of them are quite sophisticated. But this is that kind of thing. It sort of, it sort of operates on what some people, an application of what some people would call the anthropic principle. And, uh, but in any case, if you've ever seen that happen, the, 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 the uh, simile here or the metaphor is very, very uh, uh, graphic. So a fool returns to his folly. It's interesting how you can take someone and rescue him from something that he, uh, from himself, something he shouldn't be doing, and try to clean him up and help him, and it isn't long before he's right back at it. And uh, pig and mud kind of thing. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There's more hope of a fool than of him which is condemnation indeed. The slothful man said, there's a lion in the way. A lion is in the streets. <laughs> in the first place, yeah, well, I'm not sure there's many lions in, 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 in the streets of Jerusalem. But anyway, the, it's, in other words, the slothful man, it's an excuse for not participating. As a door turneth upon its hinges... So doth the slothful upon his bed. And the imagery seems to be here is that you can, it can squeak, it can squeak, turn, but nothing gets done. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It giveth him, it grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. Now he's so lazy that his hand is in his pouch, but he's too lazy to even bring his food to his mouth. That's, that's lazy. That's lazy. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. So I guess we have a handful here about sluggards and slothful people. Let's move on. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belongeth not to, belonging not to him, is one like that taketh a dog by the ears. Well, I don't have enough experience to really amplify that, but I'll leave you to sort that one out. Pretty straightforward, I think. As, as a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, Am I not in sport? There are times when humor or practical jokes or a jocular nature is out of place, inappropriate, and causes damage. That's the net of it, I think. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. Now we had looked through, we, we had collected some time ago the tailbearer series all through here. So this is an echo of that study. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Remember back there in, I think it was chapter 14, where it said that uh, where there's contention, there's pride? It's an interesting study. You can go, pull it, pull it. one of the interesting studies is to go through the book of Proverbs. First of all, establish five or 10 or 20, some number of categories of interest, and then go through and sort the, sort the Proverbs against those. You'll discover the same themes get echoed in several different ways all through the book. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts 
of the belly. Wounds can be deep. We did a whole series of these, you may recall, on gossip. You can go back through your notes on that one. We'll go forward. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. Rather graphic imagery again. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. From 23, verse 23, to the end of this chapter, we have one of the longest and strongest sections against hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And it refers, of course, to hypocrisy among God's people. He that assembleth with his lips and layeth up, uh, hateth, he that hateth dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Let's catch the last ones here. Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. You got to think this one through a little bit, and I think that Tacitus said something back many a long time ago. He said, "It is common for men to hate those whom they have injured." That's not obvious, unless, but you'll discover it's true from human experience. H. A. Ironside said it another way: conscious of having wronged another and being determined not to confess it, the dissembler will store his heart with hatred against the object of his wrongdoing. To hide his wretched feelings, such a one will flatter with his lips while all the time he is plotting the ruin of his victim. Well, this is an insight into human behavior that's not obvious at first, but experience bears it out. Well, let's move on to chapter 27. This chapter is mostly on friendship. On friendship. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Now that's a um, good advice. You should plan, but don't depend on it. You've got to watch out for what I call the nonlinearities. In mathematics, you have linear functions and you also have nonlinear functions. And uh, there are nonlinearities in life. We all tend to assume that tomorrow is like yesterday, next week like last week, next month like last month, next year will be sort of like last year, sort of. We extrapolate linearly. Yet when we stand back at life and look at it, there are nonlinearities. There are financial nonlinearities. People get fired. There are market crashes, that sort of thing. There are medical nonlinearities. It can be a stroke or some accident or some surprise that you hadn't planned on. There can be uh, uh, all kinds of nonlinearities. And it's important to, on the one hand, plan. On the other hand, prepare yourself for those kinds of things. And uh, so there are a number of other uh, aspects here. One can say uh, this also implies don't procrastinate. Don't, uh, uh, you know, think like in, in Mexico they say mañana, meaning not tomorrow, but really never. Put it off. Don't, uh, you know, the, the road of by and by leads to the house of never is a Spanish proverb. The English have the equivalent, which says procrastination is the thief of time. All kinds of echoes of this thing. The way to hell is paved with good intentions is another uh, uh, echo of this sort of thought. 
And uh, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. And this, of course, echoes what we saw back in chapter 25, verses 6 and 7 there. A stone is heavy and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Wrath is bad, but a fool's wrath is heavy, but little you can do with it. Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? Or read that jealousy, either way. You know, this idea of a fool back there, a stone is heavy and a stand is weighty and so forth. If, a, if you have a fool angry with you, you're in trouble because he has nothing, he has no discretion. He has no discretion. He's got nothing to lose. He'll do and say anything. That makes him dangerous. And uh, wrath is cruel anger, and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? Remember the brothers of Joseph. They're his brothers. Sold him into slavery because of their envy, their jealousy. And so on. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. It's a wonderful thing to have friends that can call your attention to your faults in a friendly way, in a tactful way. The full soul loatheth a, honey, a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Ben Franklin said something like that, when the well is dry, we know the worth of water. Right? As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Ointment and perfume rejoice a heart, so doth sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Those all seem pretty straightforward. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity, for better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. My son be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him that reproacheth me. A prudent man, oh here's a, a key verse, a key verse for our time. A prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. This was a very key verse to us during 1999 when we were all apprehensive about the possibilities of what Y2K might lead to. Now, a lot of good people worked very hard to make it a relative non-event. There were over a thousand events, but none of them really life-threatening. But um, a prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. You know, it's interesting how even today people look back and... and uh, they don't blame the weather service and Hurricane Andrew where they evacuated half the state of Florida and the hurricane turned and so forth. Um, uh, there are many that still to this day don't understand the jeopardy of what Y2K really had, was, had in the offing. And I love the way John Leffler summarized the situation. He says, if the, he asked the question, if, if the captain of the Titanic had made it to New York, would that have proved he had enough lifeboats? The whole issue is you should buy insurance, really, in effect. The prudent man foreseeth evil and hideth himself. The simple pass on and are punished. We do live in troubled times. We live in turbulent times. The years ahead may be far more turbulent than most people are prepared for. 
the prudent man recognizes the possibilities and takes action. It's the simple that pass on and just ignore it and are punished for it. Which is a long, this is where we draw upon 1 Chronicles 12.32 for the Issachar track of our courses. To be like the sons of Issachar who understood the times and knew what their country had to do. What this really says is buy insurance, both in the literal sense and also in the conceptual sense. Prepare for the possible uh, contingencies. Take his garment that is a surety for a stranger and take the pledge of him for a strange woman. He that blessed his friends, he that blessed his friend with a loud voice riseth early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. <laughs> Politicians have done this since Absalom where he got up early in the morning and he roused up support for himself against David and so forth. 2 Samuel 15, if you want to see an example of this. As one commentator said, flattery is like perfume. You smell it, but you don't swallow it, right? A continual dropping in every rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. I wouldn't know. Verse 16, whosoever hideth her, hideth the wind and the ointment of his right hand, which bereath itself. And this is a very, verse 17, Proverbs 27 is often quoted, of course, iron sharpen iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And this is what uh, Bill Perkins has organized what he calls Stealing the Mind of America Conference, really echoing this verse. This is where John Leffler gets the title of his radio broadcast, Steel on Steel, echoing, if you will, the thoughts of Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpeneth iron. And there's nothing more fruitful to have a companion whose background and depth and skills are complementary to your own because in that companionship, Things emerge that would come out no other way. Could come out no other way. There's a, there's a, there's a v unusual value in, in mixing in a peer group situation within a technology, within a hobby interest, or whatever. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof, and he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. Sounds straightforward enough. As in water, face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. As in water, it's looking like a mirror is the imagery here. Face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. A friend is one who loves you, um, who knows you and still loves you. Think about it. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of men are never satisfied. That says it all. As the fining pot for silver... And the furnace for gold, so is a man to his praise. Think about that. Praise can be a trap. Praise can be a trap. I think I've got a quote coming on that a little further. Let's go on. Though thou shouldest bray a fool in a mortar among wheat with a pestle, yet will not his foolishness depart from him. 
This is a pessimistic assessment of a fool. <laughs> so whenever I think of pessimism, I'm reminded of a conversation I had with Dr. Teller. We were on a board together, and during one of the conversations, uh, I asked him if he saw any hope for the survival of Western civilization. Normal after-dinner kind of discussion. He says, Chuck, I'll give you the same answer I gave a few weeks ago before the Council of Foreign Relations asked the same question. You have to understand what an optimist is and what a pessimist is. And we all held in our breath because we knew some, one of his little, one of Dr. Teller's little epithets was coming. He says, a pessimist is someone who's always right but doesn't enjoy it. We, we sort of, you know, chuckled. He says, an optimist is someone who thinks the future is uncertain. And we all winced. And then Edward looked me right in the eye and he says, Chuck, we have to be an optimist because then we at least try. But in verse uh, 22 here, though thou shouldest bray a fool in a mortar among wheat with a pestle, yet will not his foolish depart. That's a very pessimistic view of the ability to improve a fool. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. Here is a commandment in Proverbs 27, verse 23. For accounting, we are called to stewardship. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and to look well to thy herds. All of us, as we struggle to get our checkbooks balanced, as we struggle to find out where things stand financially, whatever, need to realize that that kind of diligence is required. The Lord expects it of his stewards. For riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation. Boy, riches are not forever. There are no pockets in a shroud. These suits that the, that the, 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 the mortuaries dress you in in your coffin don't have any pockets. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Proverbs. Download the K-House TV app to access an ever-growing collection of free resources. Visit the iTunes or Android app store, or search K-House TV on your Roku streaming device. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, May God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.